Great to have you joining us online for part 15 of our series, Jesus On, the message of the Sermon on the Mount for today. As many of you have heard, the suspension for gatherings like church services has been pushed out till at least mid-May in the state of New York. That doesn't mean church has been canceled. What it means is we as a local group of Christ followers at Seneca Community Church continue to be deployed in a socially distancing world. Yet the opportunities to point to Christ are significant. As our world is asking us, where in God is all of this and where is God in our lives? I trust you're using some of your extra time to grow in your relationship with God through Christ. Spend some more time with him in prayer, Bible reading, devotional reading, Use Right Now Media. Go the extra mile with serving others. Loving others by contacting with calls, text messages, mailed notes, social media, baking goodies. I'm just about halfway through zucchini bread from Bill Updike. Thanks, Bill. It's been awesome. Again, the opportunities to be the church, the hand and feet of Jesus, are vast. There are many moments where many of us are overwhelmed by COVID-19. seems to have taken much from us. Our health, time, affected our jobs, retirement funding, our businesses, Sunday mornings at church, community groups in people's homes, school, of course, Awana Kids Club, you fill in the blank. At times, COVID-19 seems like a real-life Grinch who hasn't stolen Christmas, but Easter in the spring. But not too fast, COVID-19. COVID-19, you're not the Grinch that stole Easter or our spring. No circumstance, person, or whatever can do that. Listen to this creative poem written by a Midwestern pastor's wife. "'Twas late in 19 when the virus began, bringing chaos and fear to all people, each land. People were sick, hospitals full, doctors overwhelmed, no one in school. As winter gave way to the promise of spring, the virus raged on, touching peasant and king. People hid in their homes from the enemy unseen. They YouTubed and Zoomed, social distanced and cleaned. April approached and churches were closed. There won't be an Easter, the world supposed. There won't be church services and egg hunts are out. No reason for new dresses. We can't go about. Holy Week started as bleak as the rest. The world was focused on masks and on tests. Easter can't happen this year, it proclaimed. Online and at home, it just won't be the same. Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, the days came and went. The virus pressed on. It just would not relent. The world woke Sunday and nothing had changed. The virus still menaced. The people estranged. Poo-poo to the saints, the world was grumbling. They're finding out now that no Easter is coming. They're just waking up. We know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two, and then all the saints will all cry boo-hoo. That noise, said the world, will be something to hear. So it paused, and the world put a hand to its ear. 
and it did hear a sound coming through all the skies. It started down low, then it started to rise, but the sound wasn't depressed. Why, the sound was triumphant. It couldn't be so, but it grew with abundance. The world stared around, popping its eyes, then it shook. What it saw was a shocking surprise. Every saint in every nation, the tall and the small, was celebrating Jesus in spite of it all. It hadn't stopped Easter from coming, it came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the world, with its life, stuck in quarantine, stood puzzling and puzzling. How can it be? It came without bonnets, it came without bunnies, it came without egg hunts, cantatas, or money. Then the world thought of something it hadn't before. Maybe Easter, it thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Easter, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, the story's not done. What will you do? Will you share with that one or two or more people needing hope in this night? Will you share the source of your life in this fight? The churches are empty, but so is the tomb. And Jesus is victor over death, doom, and gloom. So this year at Easter, let this be our prayer, as the virus still rages all around everywhere. May the world see hope when it looks at God's people. May the world see the church is not a building or steeple. May the world find faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. May the world find joy in a time of dejection. May 2020 be known as the year of survival. But not only that, let it start a revival. May the world see hope as it sees his people. May God begin a revival in us that sends ripples out to those near and far. This Sunday, like last Sunday, we celebrate a risen Savior in message and song. If you're watching on YouTube, you should be able to move the mouse, your cursor, over the song links you see on the screen and click to Glorious Day, Come As You Are, and he is worthy. Once the song is finished, go back and click the next one. When you're done listening and maybe singing along with those in your living room, go back and settle in for today's message on judging. We trust you'll find today's experience enjoyable, helpful, encouraging, and just a little bit challenging. looking at uh, lesson number 15 as we've walked our way through. All along, our overarching theme has been this. Jesus can make life better, and he can make us better at life. And that's been the theme all the way through. So we just kind of have to keep coming back to that. And as you and I integrate the things we're learning really at the feet of Jesus, we're finding that Jesus can make life better. 
and he can make you and I better at living life. Now, if you're just joining us this morning for the first time or you're playing a little catch-up, all the messages from this series uh, can be found on our website, and you have the details there, so please uh, take advantage of that and uh, enjoy the possibility of, of looking at that. Now, one of the phrases that Jesus says, and he says it in such a way that it continues to touch us today, and it doesn't matter if you're a convinced follower of Christ or if you're an unconvinced follower of Christ, is this statement from Matthew 7.1. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And as he says those words, we've heard those words echo in the voices of other people around us. And again, it doesn't matter if they're a Christ follower, it doesn't matter if they're, in a sense, uh, just uh, have their hearts set against things of faith. They know this, and they bring it to our attentions quite often. But when you and I think of that statement, uh, we're usually thinking of somebody else. Uh, We think of other people who need to hear that phrase. And when we think of other people needing to hear that phrase, we sometimes think of someone like this. Welcome back to the show that rewards the one who can best misuse Bible verses. Let's meet our contestants. Now, Helen, it says here that your favorite thing about the Bible is using it to make yourself seem right. Tell us about that. Yes, well, I just get so much joy knowing how proud God is of me, and I use scripture so that everyone will know it. (laughs) That brings us to Doug. He enjoys asking intelligent questions and rational thought. Doug, tell us why you're a downer. I'm not a downer. I'm not a downer. I just don't think verses should be used uh, like... Uh, don't judge me or you two will be judged. Oh, double points oh. for both rudely interrupting and misusing scripture. Isn't it great that people can actually misuse Jesus' words while actually doing what they speak to? You see, judgmentalism, most of the time, in our own eyes, is a problem for somebody else. Yet we rarely come across a person who says, I am the most judgmental person you will ever meet. No one one says that. We do, however, meet people who don't mind telling us how right they are. Like you may even notice right now, I am wearing on purpose the same shirt I wore last week. And some of you, that's gone right over your head, but some of you are aware of that and saying, Dave is wearing the same shirt that he wore last week. You see, all of us are making judgment calls, uh, making decisions all the time and evaluating, and some of us are, are a little more aware of it than others. And, and I have to admit that I am probably one of those kinds of people that as I look through this material, as I studied these passages last week, I realized that I am one of those people that uh, sees things and decides whether they are right or wrong. And sometimes that's with a little bit of thought. Sometimes that's with a little bit more thought. Sometimes that's with a little bit more intensity. And I am thinking, that's right, this is wrong. I have to admit that I, Dave Spencer, am a judger, and I can be judgmental. Yet most of the time, we don't hear folks thinking about that. But for example, for me, uh, there are things that I'm definitely judgmental about or think are right versus wrong, like my thoughts on coffee. 
I think there's a right coffee, and I think there's a not-so-right coffee. Uh, my thoughts about pizza. I think there's good pizza and not-so-good pizza. I think there's a good kind of sour cream and a fake sour cream. And, and I, I know which is right and which is wrong. Don't get me talking about football. Uh, don't get me talking about Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I think there's a great flavor, and I think there's some not-so-great flavors. I think there's a great thing when it comes to computers and what kinds of computers, and I think there are some computers that just aren't so great. I also think that there are words that should have eyes included and words that should have eyes missing. And for example, like when I talk about losing my khakis, some people think said I lost my khakis. And uh, you know, you, you're getting my idea about all of this. But as you and I think about Jesus talking about not judging, uh, just uh, watch uh, this commercial and see how this teases out. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom! Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom! Don't tell mom! See, all of us can be guilty of being judgmental. That point even shows up in that commercial. Uh, some of us watching that commercial and going, yeah, look at that dad. He's so unresponsible. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. And he just continues on, and we kind of have a judgment about that kind of dad, what he's doing, what he isn't doing. But then the last 10 seconds of that uh, commercial kind of throws things on his ear. The best stories you'll ever tell start with don't tell. Don't tell dad. Start yours in the new sense. You see, there's so much going on there. There's first judging a dad who's not using common sense, and then at the end we think, oh, here's the dad again, but no, this time it's the mom, and people are going, oh, look at that. There's a, there's a woman, there's a mom who's got her act together, doesn't stumble when she lands parachuting and all those kinds of things, and don't tell dad. You see, you and I uh, find ourselves making judgy decisions, judgy comments, whether they're inside or whether they actually come out of our mouth all the time. And Jesus is speaking to that. Again, his Sermon on the Mount isn't just for 2,000 years ago. It is for today. So to kind of get us into the mood, I want to go back to the visual Bible of Matthew. I love the way they depict uh, Jesus speaking and the narrative and all that's going on in the book of Matthew. You need to remember that down in the corner, you're going to see the chapter and verse all that Jesus, all the narrations are straight from the NIV version of the Bible. And so as you watch it, it's great to see some of the movements, some of the possibilities of uh, what the surroundings looked like. And I think it really makes it uh, just come alive in our lives, in our eyes as we watch this. So watch Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust 
in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. <laughs> How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. <laughs> First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. I don't know about you, but I never really thought of that scene of Jesus talking about the plank in your own eye while you're trying to get a speck out of somebody else's eye, a piece of sawdust, uh, as being funny, as being comical. But you can see that that definitely is a possibility as Jesus was teaching on the side of that mountain and he was talking about, uh, talking about judging and talking about being uh, hypocritical and all of that, that there were some moments where it got to be a little bit funny. So, so what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus trying to get at when he says, don't judge or you'll be judged? Well, first of all, you got to come back to that word judge. And that word judge really means very simply to separate, to separate. Now, when I was in uh, college, I worked on a farm in Maine, and a part of the farming there was picking potatoes. And we would run the potatoes through this machine that would separate the different sizes. We were also supposed to look at the potatoes and decide which ones were um, seconds and which ones were were prime grade A potatoes. So we would look at them and the size and what the shape and all of that played into account. And so in a sense, we had to separate them out. And so when Jesus uses the word judge, he's using that same word that has so many nuances on it. It depends on the context of what is being said, what energy and what strength and what the meaning really is. So, so the first, there, there's probably half a dozen shades of this word judge. So we're going to look at the two extremes. Uh, the, the first one is this idea of condemn. So what Jesus is saying, do not condemn somebody else. Don't, in a sense, take the gavel and make a judgment, and they are done. Do not condemn. That's one extreme. Then on the other side, there is this idea, we're going to call it definition A, is this idea of discernment. So you could have everything from just discerning and all the way over to condemning and to just, uh, just saying, away with that person. Uh, you can actually see on the little graphic we have on the screen that to discern, to discern is basically saying apples are not oranges. You're just making that discernment. You're not making a judgment, a moral. You're not saying it's bad, it's wrong, it's good. You're just saying they are different, discerning. And then if you go all the way over to the other side, you see apples are less than oranges. When you are in the condemned mode of judging, you're saying that is less. 
You're making a moral call. You're making a call. In many cases, it's likening making a call on the quality of someone's soul. And so we condemn. It's interesting, the little oranges have picket signs, and, and one of them actually says, death to apples. And the other one says, God hates apples. And it's, it's condemning. It's, it's the farthest side of separation. So we have separating that we're just saying this is different from that, and separating on the other side that actually says something is condemned. And uh, we're called to make a judgment, but the question is, is where do we, do we fall on this? Which side do we fall on this? If you turn over to 1 Corinthians, you're going to see Paul writing a letter inspired by God to the church at Corinth, and he gives ideas or just opens the door to the idea that you and I are to discern. We are to uh, make decisions. And we see this in this uh, verse here, in these two verses here. But the spiritual man has insight into everything. And that bothers and baffles the man of the world. What Paul is saying is the person who has said yes to Christ, the person who has had God join their life, they're not flying on automatic pilot. They actually have God not as their co-pilot. God is their pilot. And they're listening to him. And that's the spiritual man, the man who is alive to God through Christ. So if you've said yes to Christ, you are a spiritual person. Your spirit has been reconnected with God, if you will. But then there's the other person that has not said yes to Christ. They haven't said to Christ, and they don't have that fine-tuning of discernment. In a sense, uh, on some cases, especially spiritual things, they don't see a difference between apples and oranges. They don't see it. Yet within your spirit, if you're a spiritual person, if you said yes to Christ, you see the difference. You discern the difference. Shared before with you one time, my aunt years ago was taking some classes at the University of Maryland, and she was really working hard. Some things came easy to her. Some things didn't come easy to her. And she was in a literature class that was studying the Bible as literature. And her roommate, who was a 4.0, straight A, all those kinds of things, was, was struggling with interpreting it and figuring it out and making these applications. And my aunt decided or discovered that she wasn't having the same difficulties. It, it seemed very clear to her. And I don't know when this dawned on her, because years later she's sharing this with, with me and my brother and sister. Years later, she, she realized that she had a discernment ability that someone who has not said yes to Christ does not have. So, But the spiritual man, the spiritual person, has insight into everything, and that bothers or baffles the man of the world, the person who has not said yes. How could he? For certainly he has not been one to know the Lord's thoughts or to discuss them with him or to move the hands of God by prayer. But strange as it seems, we Christians, we Christ followers, actually do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and mind of Christ. I don't know if you ever thought about that before, but you have the mind of Christ. And as Romans 12, 1 tells us, as we renew our mind through his word, 
through leaning in in prayer with God, our mind focus becomes sharper and sharper, and our discernment ability becomes better and better. Not that we're better than somebody else. We just have a clearer focus. So Jesus, when he's using this word judge, is really saying to you and I, do not take on the role of God. God is the judge. Jesus is the judge. And in this chapter in life, you and I are called not to judge, in a sense, someone's soul. That's why you can't make that decision. You can't make that call. You can't get into the heart of another person. It's hard enough for us to figure out our own heart. Jeremiah tells us that. Who can discern, who can understand your own heart? And then the next verse talks about God helping us discern the heart. Again, that's the Spirit of God in our lives. So you and I as Christ followers are not to play the role of Christ, of the judge. We're not to uh, have a, a condemnation kind of spirit. Then Jesus starts to unpack what condemnation really is. First of all, he tells us it is like a boomerang. When you and I, as Christ followers, start condemning rather than discerning, when we start condemning, it is like a boomerang. It has come around and hit us on the back of the head. We've all seen those little funny skits where someone gets a boomerang for the first time and finally they, they're able to throw it and all of a sudden it goes out and it comes right back in and hits them. When you and I have a condemning spirit, sizing somebody up, saying they're not worth it, less than me, when you look at their heart and soul and you think you're looking at your heart and soul, it is like a boomerang. That kind of attitude, that kind of judgment is going to swing around and hit us in the back of the head. Jesus says it this way, if you judge other people, then you will find that you too are being judged. Indeed, you will be judged by the very standard to which you hold others. That makes me a very uncomfortable. Because like I said earlier, I'm Dave Spencer, and I can be judgmental. I can decide what's right and wrong for somebody else. I can have standards for somebody else that I might not even have, and we're going to see in a few minutes, I have for myself. Maybe I have this standard, but the way it's expressed in their life, I let them have it. The way it's expressed in my life, I give myself a pass. You see, we've got to come back to the fact that even if you've said yes to Christ, even if you have God's Spirit in you, your discernment ability, your uh, condemning of other people is not infallible. You and I need to understand that. We understand to understand that there are other things going on. See, the reality is we're in the same boat with basically everybody else when it comes to making a mess of our lives. Either you're, we're a mess, are a mess, or are one decision away from becoming a mess. That's for all of us. Christ follower, convinced, unconvinced, has questions or, or stands against anything that has anything to do with following Christ in faith. 
we're all just one decision away from becoming a mess ourselves. Also, there's the idea that when you and I have a spirit of condemnation, when we are judging, when we're using that kind of definition, we find ourselves being hypocritical. A lot of us are very aware of watching the news, and, uh, and we see this condemnation, we see this judgment from all sides of the political parties, from all sides of political views, and we see it, and then we watch as they say something, and then all of a sudden someone in their group or them themselves are, in a sense, guilty of the same thing. It's one reason uh, one of the uh, papers I, in a sense, subscribe to electronically is called the new paper. And they pride themselves in being fair and balanced, really fair and balanced. And just this week, there was a little posting in there. They usually give you the top five things that are going on, give you maybe a paragraph about each item, maybe a link to get more information, but they're not, they're just trying to report it without, uh, in a sense, putting a spin on it or putting a flavor on it. And it came across my desk, I'm looking at it, and I go, wait a minute, there's a flavor on this. There's something about President Trump, and it, it bothered me a little bit, not saying whether I'm for him or against him, but it just, it, it was not accurate. It had a spin on it. And so I said, I never do this. I'm going to write them. So this is what I wrote them. This is, I just replied to the email. I thought it was going to go off into Never Never Land, but it actually landed someplace. And this is what I wrote them. Very simply, FYI, the wording of cut off funding creates a different feel for what Trump is doing with the WHO rather than saying holding funding. And I usually don't refer to the president by his last name alone. I like to call him no matter who it is. So I, I felt a little awkward writing that, but I wanted to send the message. I'm just looking for facts here. I'm not going one way or the other way. And within a couple hours, I got this response. Totally blew my mind. Hey, Dave, you're exactly right. Great catch. You'll notice we actually made that change in the subject line, but neglected to do it in the body. Appreciate you calling this out, and please do keep the feedback coming, editors. Made me almost fall out of my seat. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe they acknowledged it, and I couldn't believe the tone they had with their response. They weren't defensive. They weren't denying it. They weren't making excuses. They, they, were, they were what I'm hoping their reporting is. These are the facts. This is what happened. Thank you. Couldn't believe it. But when you and I have a insidious, hidden form of judging that takes on the role of condemning others, not only does it come back and hit us in the head, but it also it is a sign that there's some hypocrisy in our lives. Because then earlier we said, you and I are only one decision away from making a mess of our own lives, or we're coming out of one, or we're in the middle of one. So we have this idea that you and I can, can be hypocritical when we take on that mode. In verse 4, Jesus says, Why should you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? Why should you see the speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye and miss the two-by-four hanging out of your own eye? It is 
totally hypocritical. And actually, in our world, Christians are known for being hypocritical. We're known for seeing the speck in somebody else's eye and not noticing the two-by-four in our own eye. And it keeps people from even leaning in with a listening ear to the things of Christ. Sometimes it's not our world that uh, is so opposed to God. It's that we've created that feeling. We've created that fiction, uh, friction the way we have responded. It keeps coming, boiling back to this idea, and we see this idea here in this quote. If it weren't for God's grace, truth would condemn me. But if it weren't for the truth, his grace wouldn't change me. You see, we're all in the same place. We need to make discernment, not condemning others. We need to see that God's grace makes it possible that the truth does not condemn me, does not permanently separate me from God throughout eternity. We talked a little bit about that last week. But if it weren't for the truth, his grace wouldn't change me. And so we need not a mixture, we need a full portion of both applied to our lives on a regular basis. Christ does that. He came full of grace and full of truth. And as Christ followers, we need to reflect that truth. We're not going to reflect it perfectly, but we need to be trying to figure out to be doing that. Moving on in verse 4, we read, How could you say to your friend? It's interesting. This whole idea of uh, discerning versus judging versus condemnation, it's done within relationships. Don't want to let that slide back. When you and I are in these situations, when we are in these situations of judging and and, uh, it, it turns into condemning, we're usually doing this with friends. Usually it's the friends that hurt with their comments more than anybody else. It's in relationship. So when he's speaking these words, he's saying, when you're in relationship with others, and it doesn't mean it has to be a perfect relationship, but you're in relationship, you work with somebody, you go to church with somebody, you live with somebody. We're all discovering, uh, those of us who have families at home, it's a little different living 24-7 with our family. It says, how can you say to your friend, let me show you where, how you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more. You're being hypercritical. Catch that? Critical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them. And then you'll be a- capable of dealing with the blind spots of your friends. One time I was uh, coming down on one of my daughters, from her perspective, a little too hard. And I pulled her aside and I apologized and I said, the reason this pushes my buttons is because I know I've paid the price of not paying attention to this in my own life. And even today, I live with consequences that your actions will create for you. And so I'm more sensitive. I'm actually doing this out of love, but I will try to tone it down. But the reason it's so intense 
The reason it's on my mind and my heart is because I know the price I've had to pay by not addressing those things in my life. So hear me about that. But it's easy to do that. So I want to take care of my own blind spots before I speak into somebody else's life. A lot of times, being judgmental or judgmentalism is typically fueled by self-righteousness and pride. And when you and I feel self-righteous and we feel prideful, it's easier for us to use the judgment or the judging style that condemns rather than discerns. So much easier. And we need to understand that. And we look around our world and we see people doing all kinds of crazy things. We see people's behavior. We see people's behavior, of uh, people that even say they're Christ followers. And, and it just works us up. But we need to realize, we, we need to be careful that we're not being fueled by self-righteousness and pride. In Romans 2.1, out of the message we read, people are on a dark spiritual spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on high ground where you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. I don't think I have to explain that. It's pretty clear. It goes on in verse 4 to say this. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? See, here's the thing. Truthful to somebody else, holding on to his grace just for us. Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? See, his gentleness, his kindness, his lack of condemning us, his discernment, his speaking to us is designed to melt our hearts. It's not designed to let us get away with stuff. It's not just so that we can have contempt for his grace, his mercy, and his love. It's designed to speak to our hearts. Jesus is full of truth and grace. He never dumbs down the truth, and he never turns down the grace. Aren't you happy, rejoicing that that is the case? So what does it mean to be have discernment? How does that function? Very quickly, discernment, a part of being discerning, when you attribute that to the word judging, when you're discerning, it never holds non-Christians to Christ-following values. So as you and I look at the world, and we see people doing things that are not Christian values, are not the way of the cross, the way of Christ, Paul even writes this when he's speaking to the church of Corinth. He says this, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Discern. 
evaluate, review, be aware. Paul is saying the behavior of those people that don't claim to be following Christ, that is their business. And I have to discern that. The place I need to look, the place we need to look, is those who assemble together under the banner of Christ. You see, you and I are called to love others when it comes to the greater world, but don't correct them. We're to point to the love of Christ. Once they've said yes to Christ, then that spirit that you have, if you've said yes to Christ, will help discern and shake these things out. But before they say yes, they're they're just not going to see it. It starts with Christ in their life. Sermon also involves the idea that uh, we are to help restore fallen Christ followers. So when someone does who has said yes to Christ, gets off a little bit, has that speck in their eye, maybe something a little bit larger in their eye, you and I to come alongside them, not to condemn them. Again, that's God's role. That's Christ's role. That's not your role or my role to come alongside them and to try to facilitate some restoration in their life. I like what uh, this pastor says. Grace is truthful, and truth is graceful. Paul, again, speaking of this idea of discernment and speaking into somebody else's life, writes this. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. In other words, under the weight of their disobedience, under their weight of making those messy decisions. Share their burdens, help lift them up, and so complete Christ's law. Christ's law is the law of love. If you think you are too good for that, that's condemnation, not discernment. You are badly deceived. See, we need to be creative. We need to be able to think, how can I come alongside this person? What will not back them into a corner, but what will help them to be receptive to what I feel God wants me to say to them? I discern it. I'm not condemning. A condemning spirit is as far from my conversation as possible. All truth and no grace equals destruction. We can destroy. We can crush. We can obliterate people. Some people who are giving church a second chance in these days, and, and the reason it's a second chance and not the first chance is because someone blew them out of the water. And if you're listening and someone was destructive towards you, truth with no grace, I am sorry. I apologize. All grace and no truth, on the other hand, makes all, makes deception. And so there's got to be not a balance of the two, but there needs to be a full measure of the two. So as we think about this and we try to tie it all together, It's not about being right. So we get into these things and I'm right, they're wrong. It's not about that. But a little twist to it, it is. It is about being right. 
And what I mean by that, it's not about being right that you're wrong, but it is about being right with God and letting his spirit govern your heart to help you to discern what to say and what not to say. I don't know if you're familiar with this TV program, and uh, you'll see the link so you can go take a look at it. It's about a judge in Providence, Rhode Island, and he is a judge. He has a gavel, but it's amazing how he uses the power that he has. He does not condemn. He discerns. Ma'am. Okay, this is the matter of Viola Good. Right? Yes. So, and Viola, Viola is here with Elijah, who's making his uh, TV appearance today. <laughs> what do you want to tell me about the uh, speeding charge on Only Street, outside Hope High School? I didn't even notice it was a school zone. I was coming from getting something to eat on Thayer Street. Yeah, just let Elijah do whatever he wants. Don't worry about it. So, I just, I didn't even notice it was a 20... School zone. Well, you were doing 33 and a 20. Okay. Viola, we're going to charge you $50. Okay. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> that will wrap it up. <laughs> you know, how old is Elijah? He just turned two Wednesday. Yeah. Well, do you blame him? If you were two years old, you want to sit here with all these adults. I know. You have to look at Inspector Quinn, right? Yeah. I just didn't want to be late, so I'm like, I'll just bring him with me instead of bring him to daycare first. Elijah, he's got a judge with a robe who looks mean at him, right? Can you say hi? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, that's all he wants is he wants a little hi. He wants a little tender care, that's all. I know. All right, we're dismissing the balance, the $65 balance oh, that you great. had on the red light, so it's going to cost you a total of 50 Okay. All right, so instead of 115 it's 50 Can you pay that? Speaking to the mic. I can't pay it today, but can I uh, wait like a week or so to pay it? Yeah. Are you working? I'm not working. I'm in school at CCRI. Yeah. How many children do you have? I have one and one on the way. You have another baby coming? I do. Oh, you having a boy or a girl? I'm not sure. I might find out today. I have a doctor's appointment. Oh. I'm going to, uh, as I indicated previously, I'm, I'm going to waive the $65 balance that you have and fine you $50 on the new speeding charge, okay? I understand your circumstances. I know you don't have any money. I know you have a little baby, as incorrigible as he is, and I know that you're gonna have another baby, so I know you don't have any money. There are people from all over the country, all over the world, who occasionally send in checks made payable to the court to help someone in need. I have a check from Endicott, New York, from John and Amalia Sursenzi, and they sent $50, and they talked about their parents leaving from a foreign country, coming here with no money, and they want to help somebody that, that's in need. So I'm going to use this to pay your fine. Oh, yay. Okay? Good luck. Thank you. I wish I could tell them thank you, too. Okay. Viola, Thank you. you're free to go Thank you. as fast as possible. <laughs> See the difference of condemnation and discernment? There was a judge that had all the power. 
What did he choose to use? Discernment. And all of us listening to this message, myself included, can celebrate that the ultimate judge, the ultimate judge, has used discernment filled with grace and truth and not just the gavel. It changes everything. So we, as his followers, ought to do the same. Pray with me. Father, we just uh, thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for the way the truth points for our need of grace. It points to changes that we can make. It's not about just getting away with something. It's about life change. So we don't have to live in those self-created messes. We thank you for that. We ask that you would help us in times like these to lean into that. And if there's anyone in the sound of my voice who's not said yes to you, may they ask you into their life, have the Holy Spirit join their life, God connect to their life, so they have the power of discernment. And may they enjoy the freedom of not being condemned. May those of us who have experienced that recently or years ago, Never lose sight of that grace and truth with full measure given to us. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. This time in our service is where we look to thanking God, uh, being gracious with our financial resources. And again, we're not meeting together again this week. It looks like it's going to be a few more weeks to come. Uh, We continue to thank you for your generosity. Uh, your sacrificial giving, and for the difference that it is making. Uh, You'll hear me say this over and over again, and it's going to, you may get tired of it, but it's amazing to see people in action loving others because of Jesus. And so the church may be not in this building, in this room, but the church is on the move, and God is using you to do amazing things. I thank you for that. Again, this Sunday, we're going to be offering a virtual coffee time on Zoom. You can look on the screen. You can also go to our Facebook page and find how to click on to that and join us with that. It was fun last week. We had a number of people. Here are just a few of those faces you can see on the screen. Uh, Also, if uh, you need some help with something, uh, please let us know. You can see my email address. You can call the church Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 3. Let us know. And again, I thank those who have already given themselves and have said, you know, I'm willing to help, and it's been great to see you. Uh, I hope uh, all of you stay well, and I hope we'll be in this place soon. But at the same time, it's great to be on the move in our communities. Be safe, be well, and may God bless you.